We'll read from verse 15 down through verse 18. The Bible says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. When the wicked are multiplied, transgression, transgression increaseth. But the righteous shall see their fall. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. Verse 18, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law... Happy is he. Verse 18 is meant to be a parenting verse. I want to make sure I say that up front. And we're going to talk a little bit about children this evening uh, with our message. But I'm going to take verse 18 and I'm going to give the reverse of it here. Where there is no vision, the people perish. The title of the message this evening is this. Where there is a vision, the people prosper. Where there is a vision, the people prosper. Um, churches that don't have a vision become uh, extinct. They cease to exist. Uh, why? They're looking inward instead of looking outward. Churches that focus inward fall apart. Churches that focus outward, they don't have time to fight and squabble. They're too busy reaching the lost and helping the community. And we must have a vision. We must have a vision to know how to do that. And I hope tonight to lay out that vision for you. Let's pray together. Lord, Would you uh, give us understanding hearts, Lord, uh, not only to hear the message, but to be doers of what we hear. Lord, I can come up with the best plan, or our staff can sit down and put out all the work to make it happen. But if these people who attend the church don't buy in and wholeheartedly participate, then, Lord, it's all in vain. And so, Lord, help us not to just lead well, but help us to follow well. And, Lord, help us to get enthusiastic about your word and what it says. Help us, Lord, not to get so caught up in the earthly and the temporal that we let the eternal slip on by and be done half-heartedly or not be done at all. And so, Lord, help us tonight to be in one accord, in one mind, with one heart, in unity. Help us to set aside our differences and focus on you. And, Lord, Spirit, Spirit of God, lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Why is it that people perish? Well, either because they have no leader or their leader has no vision. Either because they have no leader or their leader has no vision. Um, Many parents, uh, again this passage, Proverbs 29, deals with parenting. Many parents, you know what their goal is each day? Survive the day. That's it. Just make it to the time the the children are in bed so that we can, ah, a few minutes of sanity. And you know what? You go day after day like that. You turn around and your children are 18 and they have no direction in life. Because you had no, you had no direction for them. You had no vision for them. There was no purpose in the correction. There was no purpose in the discipline. And the same is true for a church. Unfortunately, in 2020, there are churches that are that met today and they've been running the same 20 people for the last 20 years and they're all over the age of 55 it's an attitude of us four no more and uh, they'll be running the same 20 next year unless somebody dies and occasionally they'll have people visit but there's no follow-up with them there's no goal to see them go and grow there's no idea of handing out a gospel tract or even buying or printing a gospel tract it's, um, it's what can we do to survive the day where there is no vision, the people perish. Why do people perish? Because either they do not have a leader or the leader they have has no vision. What happens when the leader has a vision and that vision is for the people and from the Lord? Well, the people prosper. The people prosper. Once a year, we take a service and lay out for the church the new programs and plans for how we are going to accomplish the vision that God has for our church. Our theme this year is what? It's love works. Love works. As a reminder, we are commanded to do two things. We are commanded to love God and love others. Say them with me. Love God and love others. Now, we are to do this individually. When you leave White Oak Baptist Church this evening and you get in your car and you go home... 
uh, uh, wives, you're supposed to love your husbands, and husbands, you're supposed to love your wives. And you get up tomorrow, and you see your neighbor outside, you're supposed to love your neighbor. And when you stop at the gas station, and you see someone stumble and fall, you're to go over and help them up. You're to love You're to love everyone God puts in your path. But let's not skip over the first thing you're to do tomorrow morning. You're to get up and you're to open up your Bible and you're to love God. You're to walk with the Lord. Don't ever, ever, ever let your devotions fall by the wayside. And if you miss one day, boy, you make sure that you make up for that. And you spend extra time with the Lord the next day. And you show God that relationships matters. Now, we are to do these two things individually. Love God and love others. But do you know that we are also commanded to love God and love others Corporately as a church in order to do this, we must do it together. We must do it together. I coached a basketball team, a girls basketball team for uh, several years. Funny enough, a couple of the years I coached that team, my girls played against Pastor Morales's daughters and I coached against his daughters and they were over there. They were making death threats against me from the sideline. Trina was shooting me a look. Uh, it was crazy, but um, um, I coached girls basketball for a couple of years, and um, that part's not true. I made that up, but I don't know. Maybe it was. Did you did you make any? Okay, so it is true. All right, um, but uh, I told the girls. I said one year we had a losing season. We lost every single game that year. I think we went zero and fourteen, and uh, we sat in a pizza hut in Frederick, Maryland, after we uh, lost by just a handful of points our last game. And the girls were not talking. They were very upset, very competitive group. And I sat there with them at the table and I said to them, I said, if you want to be better as a team during this year, you must learn to get better as individuals during the off season. You must go play basketball in the off season and then come back in the regular season and we will get better as a team. Those girls took that to heart. The next year, we went to the state championship game with the same set of girls that had lost every game the year before. What happened? They got better individually, and that made them a better team. You're to go love other people individually, and then you're to come to church, and you're to saddle up with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. You're to yoke up with your brothers and sisters in the Lord, and you're to go forth and do it Together, We're to love the community together. Please hear what I'm about to say. If we rally behind an average plan and we do it in unity, we will get far more accomplished than if we are divided and we argue over a good plan. There are people who will, uh, well, I'm not doing that. Well, why not? Well, I just don't agree with the direction the pastor's taking the church. I, I don't like the staff he has. I don't like uh, the way he combs his hair. I don't like the way he preaches. He gets too loud. He preaches too soft. He preaches too long. No one ever complains about me preaching too short. Uh, but he, he's this, he's that. Uh, and, and, and I just, uh, and you know what? You, you don't want to get in behind the plan, no matter how average or manila it may be and we we bicker and fight and please understand that an average plan that the church gets behind and does wholeheartedly will accomplish a whole lot more than if we lay out some great plan and everyone's divided over it what am i saying this evening it does not matter if you think the plan i'm going to lay out this evening is great or just eh you know what makes it great i'm going to tell you what makes the pastor's plan for the church great What makes it great is when you all get in behind it and wholeheartedly do it. You hear me this evening? It it, it does not matter what the plan is. It doesn't matter how good or bad it is. If people won't get in behind it and do it, then the best of plans will still fail. What am I saying this evening? I'm saying that as a church, we need to work together as a team. If we do that... We can reach our children for the Lord. And White Oak Baptist Church can still be strong with the children that are in the pew today. They can still be in these pews in 20 years. And it will be their turn to step up and run ministries and and help the church move forward. Uh, If we will uh, partner together as a team and do this together, then we can not only see our children raised right, but our converts can be trained. We will be filled with the Spirit and we will learn to be uh, rather great stewards of the property that the Lord has entrusted us. Let's look tonight at four thoughts uh, as we consider this topic, where there is a vision, 
the people prosper. Number one, if you're taking notes on that half sheet you were handed on the way in, notice our future. Our future, and that is the children. Our future, and that is the children. Matthew chapter 19 verse 14 says this. It says, but Jesus said, suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. You know, one of my favorite things about White Oak Baptist Church is I come in the door and there's a lot of little boys and girls who show up here on a Sunday morning. And I'll walk in and I'll, uh, I'll poke my head in Brother Syrett's first kindergarten through third grade class. And man, those kids are just sitting on the edge of their seat. Their eyeballs are wide open and they're, they're learning the stories of the Bible. Boy, that's just awesome. I walk into the fourth through sixth grade class and the class is bursting at the seams. I need to put them in a new room. I just don't know where to put them. And that we have 16 chairs in that little room. And most weeks, every chair is full. And uh, they're having to find, uh, uh, take two little kids and put them in the same chair. And uh, it, 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 it's, it's awesome to see a church that goes and grows. Each week in junior church, we'll have 20, 30, sometimes 40 children that are getting preached to up here while this room is here. Uh, I love our nursery. We'll, we'll on a Sunday morning, We'll have 8, 9, 10, 11 babies in the nursery. And the, the nursery workers have to check themselves into this insane asylum after the service is over. Because of all this screaming that happened. But you know what that is? That's the sign of a healthy church. That's a sign that God is sending young families our way with children. And they're coming and, and they're being fed. And, and, and their children are growing and they're learning. But I'm going to tell you something that we have a problem with in America in 2020. And that is this. Children turn 18, and they stop going to church. It's not just our church, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It was bad when I was 18. It's far worse today, 18 years later. Can I tell you, there's a lot of reasons for that. One of the reasons is that churches do not have a vision for their youth. And they don't have a plan for them. You see, we bring our children to church, and it never really becomes... Their, their belief, they're just riding on the coattails of it being our belief. And they turn 18 and they say, yeah, mom and dad, that's great. That's yours. That's not mine. I want to create a culture here at White Oak Baptist Church where children turn 18 and they're as in love with Jesus Christ as I am. And they don't want to go anywhere. They may go off to college, uh, but while they're at college, they're plugged into a church. Because it isn't just mom and dad's faith, it's their faith. Letter A, notice first the bus ministry. In to, uh, back in 2004, Pastor Peslak became the church's pastor and would almost immediately begin a bus ministry. At one point, uh, this church had three buses running all over Stratford and Bridgeport, bringing nearly 100 children, teenagers, and adults to church. Over the last few years, our attendance, and, and uh, this has been under my pastoral care, so I take the blame for this, but over the last few years, our attendance has dropped off, uh, and, and, it, and it, we now average around or just below 20 boys and girls and teenagers and adults that come in on our buses. And uh, I love the bus ministry. I do. And the drop-off in the bus ministry has not been because I am neglecting it, or have turned my attention from it, or I for some reason don't care about it or don't want it. Uh, the, the opposite uh, couldn't be uh, more true. I love the bus ministry. I grew up um, uh, on a bus now, less than a month or two old. My dad was driving a bus in Chicago, and I was in a car seat on a bus bringing boys and girls to church or there while boys and girls were being brought to church. When I was 16 in Baltimore in the Middle River area, I was a bus captain and, and, uh, and loved doing it. I went off to Bible college and worked on bus routes. I graduated from Bible college and came back to Baltimore and served as a, a Spanish ministry bus uh, a captain. And then uh, on to the church I was at prior to here. I was the bus director. We saw over 200 uh, people ride our buses every week. I love the bus ministry and I, we need to have a vision for the bus ministry. I'm thankful to White Oak Baptist Church for approving the 2020 uh, budget because in there uh, is money allotted to rent a school bus and with the rental of that school bus we'll be able to increase greatly the amount of boys and girls uh, that we bring uh, to church and teenagers and and adults and uh, 
beginning uh, uh, this Sunday, beginning today, my wife began to ride the bus and Brother Kyle will be transitioning out of the bus captain position and my wife will be transitioning into the bus captain position. And my wife does not want me to say much here, but I'll just briefly say this and move on to keep myself out of trouble. My wife has been a bus captain in two other places and has always done well with it. I'm not trying to set the bar high for her. Amen. Oh, you guys don't go berate her if she's not running like 200 people next week or something, okay? Uh, but my wife has a heart for bus kids, and she, she loves doing that. And I, you say, well, how can I get involved? Well, I'll say this. Uh, uh, consider giving financially to our bus ministry. The bus uh, is going to cost the church $155 a week. And if you want to give over the top of your tithes and offerings and designate that on your envelope uh, toward the rental of the bus, uh, we will use that money specifically for the rental of the bus. Uh, some of you can do more than just give, or rather some of you cannot give at all, but you maybe consider riding the bus. Now, anyone that works with our children in our ministries must pass a background check, but if uh, that doesn't uh, bother you, Take the background check and then consider getting on the bus either on the ride to pick up the kids or the ride to drop off the kids and and, and learn the bus songs and interact with the bus children and uh, uh, have have a time helping encourage those boys and girls. Some of you can show up on Saturday and you'd consider visiting the bus route, but find a way to get involved. Talking about uh, uh, vision for 2020, we're noticing, number one, our future, and, and talking about the children, notice letter B, the children's ministry. The children's ministry. With the recent staff changes, uh, many have wondered what will happen to our children's ministry. Brother Andres Barrios, sitting right back here is engaged to Miss Hope Harvey. And um, I'm not saying he rushed that engagement, but uh, when he knew he was taking over the children's ministry, he made sure to quickly get engaged. Uh, I think he probably already even had the ring bought, but wanted to make sure for the peace of mind uh, within the church, the optics of it, that he was engaged to be married. And uh, do you guys have a date picked out? October 10th. They'll be getting married um, unless uh, we have a run- runaway bride. I don't think that will happen. More likely a runaway groom. Right, Andres? Uh, no, not doing that. Uh, but uh, Brother Andres Barrios is uh, now has taken over our children's ministry. He's answering directly to me. I'm working with him on it. You say, well, is Andres qualified to work with the children? And I would say he's very qualified. In fact, uh, uh, just funny how all this comes together. Andres... Uh, started coming to this church because of the bus ministry. And uh, he is a product of our bus ministry. And now he's going to step up and help with our children's ministry. Um, uh, the children are uh, very well behaved under his care. Uh, they uh, uh, enjoy a lot. My son came home the other uh, on a Wednesday evening and he said, Dad, uh, Brother uh, Andres was able to explain something from the Bible that I've wondered about and I've never understood. And he stopped and he asked, do you all understand this? And we were all like, no. And he, he stopped everything he was doing just to explain that. He said, Dad, we got so much out of that message. And I'm here to tell you that the kids don't misbehave under his care. I'm not going to say never, but they're very well behaved under his care. He has them in his hand. He's been uh, groomed to work with children in, in our children's ministry. Now, um, uh, our Master Club program meets on Wednesday evenings, and I'm aware of the state and condition of our Master Club program. Frankly, it needs a reboot. It is struggling. And so we're, uh, we are committed to giving the Master Club program a reboot. In the fall, I'm going to turn the pulpit over on Wednesday evenings for a month and a half or so to someone else, maybe a group of men and let them preach. And I'm going to go in and train the Master Club workers. And then I'm going to run Master Club with Brother Andres for the first month that it's up and running to get the culture the way it ought to be to make sure things are rolling right. You say, well, Pastor, do you know how to run Master Clubs? I've run Master Clubs in another ministry much larger than this one, so I'm very familiar with it. And I'm excited about getting in there with the kids and, and uh, singing with them and, and uh, rallying around them with the teachers and making sure that, that ministry is up and running right. You say, Pastor, why would you give up the pulpit where you can influence adults on Wednesday evening? I'll tell you why, because I believe that our children are worth it. 
I believe that it's worth us having a ministry where they, the kids learn and memorize the Bible and, and, and hide God's word in their heart at a young and tender age. And so that's the children's ministry. Uh, talking about our future, notice letter C, the youth group. The youth group. Uh, the current structure right now in the youth group is that um, uh, Pastor Mike and Miss Rachel work with the uh, youth, uh, uh, the Teen Alive uh, Life Group uh, class at 945. Miss Rachel handles the young ladies, and Pastor Mike works with the young men. They do a, a fabulous job with that. And uh, I, I peek in the window, or I look in every now and then, and Miss Rachel is always very prepared and has something from God's Word for the ladies. And Pastor Mike does a great job with the young men. I showed up today, and, and he was having a, a good conversation with one of the boys there. And, and uh, they, love, uh, they love what they do with that. They're going to continue to do that. Uh, uh, Brother Mike Scarpetti on Wednesday evenings is working with the teenagers and preaches to them here in this room. He also uh, uh, does some things with uh, many of the teenagers on Sunday mornings while I'm in here. He'll have 9, 10, 11, 12 of them that he's preaching to. All of that will continue. Uh, however, we're asking Brother Kyle Codney and Miss Autumn right here. Miss Autumn, you feeling better? All right, good. Uh, Miss Autumn's been battling a sickness for a little while. Good to see that you're feeling better. And continue to pray for her and Olivia and Mom that they'll get better. But Brother Kyle is studying for church ministry, has a heart for the Lord. And uh, Brother Kyle is going to be working with Pastor Morales. And they'll be overseeing the youth activities with the church. And uh, uh, the tying in the teenagers that come to our church in with the Riveras and in with Brother Scarpetti and making sure that uh, our youth group, that we don't have any teenagers fall between the cracks, that they're loved on and that they're cared for. And so get your children around uh, these folks, the Riveras and the Codneyas and Brother Scarpetti, and let them have an influence in their life. And so there will be regular uh, youth activities that uh, Brother Morales will be working with uh, Brother Kyle on. And so uh, this summer our teens will have the Neighborhood Bible Time camp again or uh, Bible time week and then our teenagers will be heading off to New England Baptist team camp and so mom and dad start putting away your money now so you can afford to pay for that uh, it's a great investment in your children's life so uh, looking at our future looking at our uh, our vision we notice number one our future we want to make an investment in our children let's turn our attention to number two our furtherance our furtherance and let's talk a few minutes about our converts now uh, turning your Bibles over to Matthew chapter 28 and let's look at verse 19 and 20. And I'm going to focus on a part of this passage that oftentimes gets overlooked uh, by, uh, by uh, preachers. And we want to uh, focus in here on a passage. And, and uh, this is really what I'm... Ex- of all the things I'm going to share with you tonight, I'm most excited about what we're, uh, with what we're going to share uh, here now. Uh, men, if you could get ready to pass that out. We're not going to do it quite yet, but just that you're, you're ready uh, to help uh, to distribute that. That'd be great. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 here, we have what has been called the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. What are you teaching them? Well, you're teaching them the gospel. After they're saved, what are we doing? We're baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. All right. Verse 19 has been practiced and preached in independent Baptist churches quite well since the 1950s. Verse 20, however, uh, we've struggled a little bit. Look at verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things. All things. You know what that means? We're to make disciples. We're to teach them. Let's go ahead and distribute that paper, gentlemen. Notice letter A, our target. Our target. We're going to get this passed out here. I believe that we need to know... And have a plan to reach everyone. Let's stick with giving them to uh, um, uh, adults and older, teenagers, teenagers and up. Children, you can look on with your parents if, if you're there. Okay. The reason why I didn't give you this before is because it would have been a distraction. And we didn't want you to be distracted. There, there's a lot of information on this little sheet of paper here. I developed this. Uh, I'll talk about that while that's being passed out. I developed this with my brother. My brother lives in Chicago. Uh, he's a Bible college graduate. He's not in ministry, uh, but he reads a lot of books, and many of them are even about church ministry. He's a bright guy. Uh, his name is Tim. Some of you maybe have met him. He's been here a few times. But Tim and I were talking uh, about how to reach better reach our church, better reach this church. And um, I love to talk shop with my brother, love to talk about uh, church growth with my brother. 
And he and I sort of brainstormed and developed this together. I hung up the phone with him and I sat down at a computer and I put uh, this together. And several rough drafts later, we came up with a final draft. Um, uh, As you get it there, the goal is to move people closest to the center. Closest to the center. Look at the... um, Look at the innermost circle there, and the line comes out, member and involved. You know, that's the goal. Y'all don't just stare at me uh, like uh, you don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) The goal is for you to be a member here and to be doing something here. We can't move the church forward without you. Uh, There are four people on paid staff here. If us four have to do everything, it ain't getting done. And so this is a church that's run, a lot of it's run by volunteers. And so um, some people feel like, well, I come in and I fill up my 18 inches, give or take, of pew, soon to be chair. I, I would probably be more on the give side than the take. Uh, but I take up my 18 inches of pew. And so you're blessed with my presence. I grace you with my presence. Pastor Lejeune, I endure your preaching. Is that not being involved enough? And the answer is no, it's not. We need you to be a member that's involved. All right, look at the furthest uh, 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 out. This would be top left with the words. These are people that know nothing about White Oak Baptist Church. Let's move in one ring at a time. Knows but has never attended. Has only attended once. Attends occasionally. Uh, Active attendee but not a member. Member but not involved. Member and involved. Now, I want to ask you a question. Where are you on this circle? All right, don't say it out loud. Just take a minute. Where are you on this circle? Um, we all know people that fit in every ring, don't we? You know what you ought to do? You ought to love them to the next ring. Do you love your neighbor enough to even tell them about White Oak Baptist Church? You say, well, I've told them, but they've never come. Well, then they're in that second circle. Knows, but has never attended. Do you love them enough to get them here? You say, well, I got them to come one time. Can you, can you try to get them to come back another time? Uh, attends occasionally. We all know people that come here and there. They're hit or miss. At best, that would be members and non-members. Um, the goal here is to move people in one circle at a time. Our target. Letter B, notice. Our teaching. Our teaching. I think the greatest error of the Baptist churches I grew up in. I can't speak for every Baptist church. But I can speak for the ones I was a part of growing up. The greatest error of every Baptist church I've been a part of. Is that there has not been a planned discipleship course for people who want to grow. Listen folks. The style in the churches I grew up in for discipleship was show up four times a week and you'll eventually get it all. Can I tell you that as I have studied the Bible, and I've been in church since I was born. As I have studied the Bible as your pastor, I have been shocked at the gaps and the holes in my game. And I'm a Bible college graduate. Now that's somewhat of an indictment on the college I went to. But it's also an indictment on the Baptist movement not actually taking the time to teach people the doctrines. You say, well, pastor, does it make a difference? Brother Jason, come on up on the platform. I would say it makes a tremendous difference. I wish I could write a book about my experiences with this guy and his family. Uh, it It is a story of redemption. It is a story of salvation. It is a story of what God can do when you attack all three levels of the Great Commission. Preach the gospel, baptism, and discipleship. Uh, I'll just share this briefly before he comes up and shares. Um, when, uh, when I met Jason, Jason was in a lot of trouble. I let him divulge what he wants to divulge, but he was, had a lot of problems in his life. His wife was, was saved, but barely. Uh, just no growth. And in time, his wife got baptized, and they joined our church. And, and then uh, we, we started with some discipleship curriculum. I, I knew that I wanted to implement a discipleship program 
here at White Oak Baptist Church 14 months ago. But I didn't know how to go about it because I'd never been a part of a church that had done it. And so I began by looking for a curriculum. I found a curriculum that I liked. And I told my wife, I said, uh, Jason and Joy, they seem to have plateaued out a little bit. They, they, they need to, uh, they, they just need a nudge. And so I went to Jason and Joy. I said, you guys want to be guinea pigs? And I said, what for? And I said, I'm going to inject you with some shots. And then Joy said, sign me up. No, that didn't happen. I said, uh, no, with discipleship material. And so for the last year, uh, the majority of the Mondays over the last year, I have gone and sat in these uh, folks' uh, kitchen at their dining room table, and I have done discipleship with Jason and Joy after their kids have gone to bed on Monday evenings. And uh, they, um, uh, it's, it's really been something to see up to, well, I'll let you share about your mom-in-law, but you, you fill in uh, uh, and just share uh, from there the work that God's done in your life through the discipleship with Jason. pretty well, even went to Bible college for a little while. Then um, I decided to do my own thing, took a decade off, uh, got mixed up in drugs, it got pretty bad, so on and so forth. Started coming here about three years ago, starting to get things back on track, Um, kind of bringing my wife along for some of the first times. She was at first skeptical of the Baptist, she was raised Catholic, and um, it really took just a little while, but uh, through the guidance of pastor and then just doing what the Bible says and really sticking to it, uh, things got a whole lot better the longer we were around. As he mentioned, my wife was baptized, um, became a Baptist, so on and so forth, got her salvation really shored up and understood a whole lot more of it. Um, when pastor came to me with the discipleship program, yeah, he kind of he needed a guinea pig. He was using us a little bit. But um, it worked out for us. It was really good. Um, the discipleship program is like, I don't know, 20, 20 different lessons or so, just about. Uh, some of them took a week. Some of them took two weeks. But he would come over, kind of go through it with me and my wife. Angela was there at first for a while. And um, it really helped get me back on track. It really helped a lot to get my wife kind of moving along into... Um, everything that the Bible teaches in the right way that the Bible teaches it because a lot of, you know, what she thought she knew or, or what she was taught previously just was off a little bit or completely wrong or whatnot. So the material was really good to get deep into certain uh, keystone topics of the faith and really delve into it. And um, it was also really nice that we got to get to know Pastor um, quite a bit through his regular coming and meeting with us, and I think that'll be a really nice um, factor of the discipleship program in the future is getting to know brothers and sisters in the Lord a good bit better, and, and that's going to strengthen the church. But um, also mention my mother-in-law, which is another miracle, praise the Lord. Um, he does miraculous things, the, the impossible, and uh, there was a very skeptical person for many years about it all, but just through the example of um, my life and uh, my relationship with my wife and everything getting better uh, with mine and my wife's relationship throughout the discipleship program, but also our relationship with the Lord, I really think that set my wife up to help um, lead her mother along a good ways as well. And so now my mother-in-law is saved and baptized, and now I'm a member here, so praise the Lord for that. We're really happy about that. And um, it's all just the, the growth, the New Testament growth, the way it's supposed to be. Um, the, the discipleship program helped a lot. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Jason. Sure. And so we, uh, you can give him a round of applause. Somebody started to clap. We... Um, we're planning on uh, beginning in February with the discipleship program, and it's going to take place on Wednesday evenings. And so uh, uh, Pastor Morales, uh, one of the things we talked about in his hiring him and bringing him here was having him oversee that discipleship program on Wednesday evenings. He has some experience with doing this in other churches. One of the things I wanted in a man that I was bringing in uh, was someone that had experience with this. And so, uh, Pastor Ross, come on up if you don't mind, and uh, in a moment I'll have you share. Uh, but uh, we'll have uh, those, some of you in here will be contacted and asked, please let us contact you. Uh, don't reach out to us on this, but we're going to ask 
some of you to be disciplers, and you'll sit across from someone on Wednesday evenings one-on-one, and you'll take them through some curriculum, and you'll help them get grounded in the fundamentals of the faith. This is something he's had experience with, and so I've asked Pastor Morales to take uh, three to five minutes and just share with the church how it works, uh, how it's worked where he's been, and, and how he sees it working here. Pastor Morales. Real quickly, um, uh, the, the illustration that really got my attention was, and you've heard me mention this name before, Dr. Curtis Hudson. He used an illustration in a soul-winning seminar that I was listening to on CD years ago. And he used the illustration of when a, when a woman has a baby. They go to the hospital, they deliver their baby, or however they deliver their baby. They don't take that baby and say, okay, well, the baby's delivered, I've done my part, and they leave the baby in the hospital. They don't do that. And when we are able to lead someone, she takes the baby home, she feeds the baby, she cares for the baby, she helps that baby grow uh, into eventually independence, right? That's the key. And he said the same thing should be done with new converts. Amen. They're babes in Christ. They have no idea uh, what the fundamentals of the Bible are, and they may have some idea, but as Jason already mentioned, uh, some of their, their teachings have been wrong, have been sideways, have been convoluted. Uh, they need someone who knows the basic doctrines of the Bible to lead them, to guide them, to instruct them. As, as newborn babes, we need to show them how they should desire the sincere milk of the Word so they may grow thereby. And I noticed, as Pastor mentioned, he, him and I have talked about this, churches I've been a part of, uh, most churches that I know of, uh, not all, they don't have a discipleship program. And so we go, uh, we preach, we, we witness, and then we baptize converts, and then that's it. And it's like having a baby and leaving it in the hospital. We can't do that. Amen. Uh, that baby needs help. That baby needs instruction. That baby needs care. We need to do that uh, with our converts. And so what I did when I was the senior pastor at, at the church I was at in, in New York, uh, and then we were at a time uh, in between the church we were at in New York and Florida, we were in Cleveland Baptist Church for a time. Uh, they already had a discipleship program. We had implemented one uh, in our church in New York. There's different uh, curriculums out there. Obviously, pastors mentioned that. He has found one that he would like us to use. Uh, I'm in total agreement with him. Uh, there's different programs. There's different curriculums. But the goal is to teach people the basics of the Bible, the fundamentals of Christianity. And, and if you have never done this, I'm telling you, you would be surprised to find out some of the teachings and doctrines that are all mixed up in people's minds out there. Uh, they're babies. We lead them to Christ. We must, we must teach them the fundamentals. Uh, in our church in New York, I had a group of about, I don't know, anywhere between 12 to 15 that we, uh, that what I did was, uh, we had a much, much smaller church than White Oak Baptist Church, and so I, I took a group uh, of that group of 15, and during the Sunday school hour, during the life group hour, we met uh, in the parsonage where we lived, uh, and we sat around our dining room table. I had purchased the curriculum. I had asked them to, to contribute as well. Uh, it's... People need to, to invest, and so we, we had them buy their books, uh, and so we sat around the table, and we went through page by page, uh, lesson one. If they, asked, if they had questions, they had time to ask those questions. It took us about, I want to say it took us about maybe four to six months to complete the course. We completed the course, and then I turned around, and I had prepped them for this. I said, now listen, you have completed the discipleship curriculum. Now it's your turn. Now you need to be available to disciple new folks as they get saved and baptized and become members of the church. And I was able to do that. I was able to, when, when a lady would get saved, I would go to one of those ladies that was in that class uh, after they received their, their certificate of completion in the church service. I said, listen, I have this lady here. She's, she's new. Uh, either she just got saved or she's been saved. She's just now starting to come to the church. Will you please go through the discipleship program with her? And most of the ladies would be more than glad to do that. I, I remember after the, the initial uh, class where I was teaching it, uh, man, during the Sunday school hour, we had people being discipled over here, people being discipled over there. And it was one-on-one, -on -one, uh, one lady with another lady, one man with another man, and it was fantastic. Amen. It was fantastic. When we went to Cleveland Baptist Church, they did something very similar. Their curriculum was a little bit different. They did it on Wednesday nights. Uh, and then they had different people in different rooms being discipled each and every week. Listen, as a church, it's our responsibility to care for those babes in Christ. And yes, not everyone will submit to it, not everyone will participate, but we have to give people the, the chance 
to learn the basics of the Bible. I commend Pastor uh, for having this, this vision and this desire, and I hope and pray uh, that we as a church uh, can go the next step, not just soul winning, not just door knocking, not just leading people to Christ and baptizing them, but teaching them, teaching them so they have a good foundation to build upon. Pastor. Thank you, Pastor Morales. Now, if you've noticed over the last three and a half years, uh, we have seen a whole lot of people saved and baptized. But numerically, we really haven't grown. And some of that is people moving out of the state. We've had some other people leave the church. And so there's many reasons for that. But I do believe a lot of people have been saved and baptized. They haven't stuck around in part because we haven't had a a plan uh, to disciple them. So um, uh, moving forward, uh, uh, beginning in February, on Wednesday evenings, we're going to shorten the service in here uh, with the... Uh, with the song service and prayer meeting in here, and uh, we'll have a Bible study in here, which I'll do, and Pastor Morales will take those who are the disciples out of the auditorium and those getting discipled, and that will take place uh, in another part of our building. And so we'll announce some more details on that uh, uh, in in the future here. So, uh, but but get involved and be involved. Maybe you say, "Well, I want to be discipled. I've been coming here for years." There's no, nothing to be embarrassed with that. Let's move on here. Notice number three, our fullness. So we've looked at our future, our furtherance, and number three, our fullness. And uh, the word there is charity. Now, 1 Corinthians 13, I'm going to move quickly here, says this. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity... I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Is there anything wrong with doing the works laid out in this passage? No. There is not. What's wrong about these works is if you do them without the love of Christ inside of you fueling it. It is it is the source of it. And this year, we're going to work on being filled with the Spirit of God and the love of God and going forth into our community as a group and and, and showing our community the charity, the love of God, the compassion of God. Stay tuned. In the uh, weeks to come, uh, we're going to present to the church four different dates where we, we are going to go out into the community and we're going to do something to impact this community uh, for the better, whether that's cleaning up a park, uh, whether that's feeding the hungry. We're going to find a way to show the community that White Oak Baptist Church loves the greater Stratford area. We're working on getting some shirts made up that we'll wear uh, as a team when we go out and do this together. Uh, but we're going to show the community around us the love of Christ. And so keep your eyes open for that. Number four, and lastly, notice our fellowship. And notice the word construct. That's the closest I could come up for with for building a construct. Okay, uh, our fellowship. We're gonna uh, we're not done renovating the building yet, but we are out of funds. <laughs> so um, uh, we need to. We have some more work we're gonna do around here. Uh, let's let me take you to one more verse, and then we'll be done this evening. First John, chapter one and verse number seven. Brother Kyle was picking on me in the lobby this morning. He said I stretch my alliteration and. And um, uh, I work hard to make it alliterate. He says I don't do a very good job. So if you love me, then you need to hate Brother Kyle along with me. Amen? No, I'm just teasing. Don't hate anybody here. But um, uh, we, work, we work hard on the alliteration. Sometimes it just doesn't quite fit. First uh, uh, John chapter 1, verse 7 says this, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. That word fellowship. You know what that word fellowship is? That's a word that only Christian believers get to use. You don't hear the word fellowship outside of Christian circles. It's just not something they do. They, you know what they do in the world? They hang out together. You know what we do at church? We fellowship with each other. Why is it fellowship? Because I have the Spirit of God living in me, and if you're saved, you have the Spirit of God living in you, and we're able to fellowship with each other. We're able to share that commonality in Christ. Hey, look, don't knock the social aspect of church. I've heard some whispers around White Oak Baptist Church. Now, I don't know exactly who it is. But I've heard some whispers around White Oak Baptist Church this past year that White Oak Baptist Church is just turning into a country club. 
I just go there and, and they just want to socialize and talk and, and they just want to hang out and they're, they're spending all that money fixing up that building and they just turn it into a social club. Can I tell you that nothing could be further from the truth? Listen, do you know in the last 10 years we have sent out over a million dollars to the mission field? Now, if I can't come to church and fellowship with you and allow that to recharge me so that I can go back out in the world and preach the gospel, then pray, tell me, where am I supposed to get recharged? You know what? Sometimes it's good to sit across from a brother in Christ and have a hamburger or a slice of pizza. Sometimes it's good as ladies for you to get together and have a day where you draw a painting together and you you share each other's company and you're warmed up by that. Now, if that's all you get out of church, you need to check your heart. There's more to church than just fellowshipping, but fellowship is a part of church. It is a part of church. And this piece of property that God has given us, he wants us to keep it first class. This idea of, well, let's just, you know, let's just paint the walls and, 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 you know, invest the money elsewhere. Listen, this church, again, we support, uh, 50, uh, 50-something missionaries at $100 a month. That means we have over $5,000 going out the door every month to missionaries. $60,000 a year plus going out the door to missionaries. And you take the money we spent on buses and you take the money that we spent on, um, uh, uh, the money we spent on church tracks and the amount of money we spent on outreach and uh, the amount of, uh, uh, hours, man hours that our church staff invests in follow-up and outreach. This church spent hundreds of thousands of dollars every year so that we're not a country club, but we're preaching the gospel. If you hear anyone say, well, that church is just becoming a country club, then you just stop them and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. The facts don't quite bear that out. You say, pastor, why are you, you know, so worked up about this? About six months ago, I got a call. I was at home on Saturday and I had a rough day. Saturdays for some reason seem to be rough days. But I had gotten a call, and I was, I was just not having a good day. And uh, we, had, um, uh, we had a missionary in our home that evening staying with us. And I got a phone. I looked, a call, I got, looked down at my phone, and it was a number I didn't recognize. I don't take those anymore. This is part of the reason. I answered the call, and the person on the other end of the phone said this. They said, uh, um, uh, I, uh, is this Pastor Lejeune? I said, it is. He had my name wrong, but I said, it is. He said, um, uh, I have a question for you. I said, what's that? He said, why is it that you're spending tens of thousands of dollars to put a snack bar in your church while you let the world die and go to hell? That was how he opened the phone call. And I said, uh, excuse me again, who are you? And he said, uh, well, my name doesn't really matter. Uh, a church member of yours told me that you're spending tens of thousands of dollars to put a snack bar in your church while you let the world go to hell. And I want to know why you want to be an apostate church. And then he said this, he said, by the way, you're live on the radio in North Carolina. And this is being recorded and it will be uploaded as a podcast. So choose your words carefully. Now, uh, can I just say something? I wasn't, uh, again, I wish I could say I handled him with Christian grace. That I was love and caring, and I showed him the love of God. If we had had the theme, love works, I would have. But folks, you know, it wasn't that year. And I just wasn't in that spirit. And I basically told him how we spent our money here was none of his business, and I hung up the phone. You see, he wasn't a member here. Um, and he called the church and left a voicemail in the church, voicemail saying I had been rude, and here's a number if he wants to call back and redeem himself. We looked him up, and he has like... 11 people subscribe to his podcast. So, you know, that's whatever. But, uh, uh, but, but listen, here's the point I'm trying to make. We need a property where people can come here and feel as though it's not out of place. It's not, it, it's not uh, uh, out of touch with the community. Um, do you know that three, four, five times a year we have lost people that are upstairs in our, in our fellowship hall that attend a luncheon? Do you know that they hear the gospel up there? Boy, I don't want them to walk in those bathrooms up there or to see our kitchen and think, what is this? Boy, I want us to have a property that we can use to preach the gospel. In 2020, we want to remodel our kitchen in our bathrooms. That's what we're wanting to do. And if someone says, well, you should send it to the missionaries, I would say we send a lot of money to the missionaries. (laughs) But there's nothing wrong with taking care of our property. You say, well, how much is that going to cost us, Pastor? And the answer is, I don't know yet. 
I'm going to be meeting with several contractors in the weeks to come. By the end of the month, we should have a total. But here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for each of you in here to pray. I'd like for you to pray that God would send some extra money your way between now and March 1st. March 1st, we're going to collect an offering. And the money collected that day will go toward the renovation of our property. I'm not looking for anyone to dig deep into their savings account and give. What I am asking you to do is ask the Lord to just send you a little bit extra money. And tell the Lord now, up front, what percentage of that you'll give him or that you'll give him all of it, maybe. Maybe God will send somebody here a raise they weren't expecting. Brother Russo last year off this challenge, he had some time off of work because he was injured. And while uh, the boss knew he was going to be out a while, and the boss called him in his office and said, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm going to give you a raise. And he said, what? Right after he had told the Lord, anything extra you give me, I'll commit to you. You know what? That's how God works. God's not looking for you to... To give uh, in some sacrificial way so you can say, look at me and how much I gave. The Lord is looking to get the credit. You go get on your knees and say, Lord, you send extra money my way. I'll use that to beautify the house of the Lord, to beautify the church's property. And so I want you to begin to pray about what the Lord would have you uh, give. On March 1st, we'll collect an offering. And uh, we'll also collect commitment cards for the next 12 months. And so uh, begin to pray about what the Lord would have you to give. Maybe you're able to fill out that commitment card and donate that day. Maybe you're just able to donate that day and not do the commitment card. Maybe you're able to do the commitment card but not donate. But begin to pray about what the Lord would have you to give. So that our church property, when we turn around and hand it to the next generation will be ready uh, to be a tool used for the furtherance of the gospel. And so get involved, and uh, let's all do our part. Again, an average plan, you say, Pastor, I'm not impressed. Remember, an average plan is a great plan if we'll all unify behind it. And so let's get together, and let's lock arms, and let's love our community, let's love our children, let's love our converts for the Lord. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. Lord, would you take... The message this evening, as uh, fragmented as it was, and uh, Lord, as frail as it was, and Lord, would you energize your people. And Lord, may we be excited about what you're doing here. You left us here, Lord, as the church, the founder of the church, so that we would uh, proclaim the truth. We would give the gospel. We would see folks saved. We would encourage the weary. We would bind up the wounded hearted. And uh, uh, Lord, um, uh, preach to those that, uh, that need uh, love and need, need the gospel. And so, Lord, help us as a church family to set aside our own preferences. Help us to set aside our hurts. Help us to set aside uh, disagreements we have with each other. And help us to get the gospel and charge hell with a squirt gun. And, Lord, help us to see many folks saved and discipled in 2020 and beyond. In Jesus' name.